Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary, featuring Dave A.C. The Sixth Doctor and Al Four. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cult of Collective commentaries yes we're playing our favorite numbers game today come in number two this is number one. Oh, hello number one this is number two where's where's number three got to yeah we need the power of that yeah i'm over here ah there he is yes dave's here mike's here the three of us are here we're going to think outside the box on this one and uh bring you a wonderful commentary yeah three empty-headed people <laughs> and all these cubes over here what do I do with them? Little boxes by the roadside, and I promise not to sing again. Well, my, mine's a bit big to suck. Got stuck in my mouth. What? <laughs> We're still talking about cubes, folks. Anyway, uh, on with this week's commentary, as you will have guessed. We're talking all over the top of Doctor Who, The Power of Three. Da -da -da -dum. Yes, or The Power of the Cultum Collective, as we like to call it. So, gentlemen, are you ready? Indeed you do. I'm ready over here. Okay, and if everybody will uh, take their official BBC copies of The Power of Three out of their tiny little black boxes, I will count everybody in. In five, four, three, two, one, play. I thought you were going to start with the seven. <laughs> oh, I should have. Oh, well, missed opportunity. Earth again, how often do we see that? Oh. Potting. Oh, hey, it's a montage. <laughs> <laughs> Two neat things there: the, the the transition there and the overlay of the day of the month. <laughs> <laughs> neat to see. Who? Which one of them wears glasses? I'm not sure. Because it wasn't that's what she was saying. Your glasses are really different. Uh, right, that's true. Yeah. Could be reading glasses, of course, yeah. I think Amy does, but... Uh. Mm. Uh. Not entirely enamored with these, the voiceover. No. But, you know. Usually means it's too complicated. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Quite well done, these things. Uh. I bet the props department were like, you need how many? <laughs> and there what you go. This again? week's title sequence, yep. which is, again, different. Uh, previously, the title sequences had been getting, getting, uh, getting a bit darker. This time we have some electrical surge effects along the time vortex. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, different, definitely blue, yeah. Blue yeah and different color. 
Yeah, and then this one's almost like a rose, you know, it's like a blood red almost. And it turns a bit purple. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you uh, go and check out the uh, Facebook page for the Colton Collective, you'll actually see uh, Jeff, the Seventh Doctor, has put up a um, a comparison picture, which is great. So you can actually see each one, and he's going to update it for next week's as well. So. Oh. Oh. It's Brian. <laughs> Love Mark Williams. I'm sorry. Western scene there, yeah. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Wait. Mm. Wait, what? What? I <laughs> <laughs> he's just hanging out across the street. <laughs> That's you. Oh, hey, we haven't seen this oh, in yeah. a while. Oh. <laughs> Two news real newsreaders there. I kept expecting to see Trinity. Right. I was like, where's Trinity Wells? Where's Trinity? Oh. Hey, Brian. It's Professor Brian Cox. Yay. Jodrell Bank, Manchester University, physics. Brilliant. Rock, rock star, you know, scientist, really. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about him. I, I love it when we're presented with this, this, this kind of person who um, makes science cool or makes... Um, there was a, a, I think it was a British violinist. What was his name? Oh, he's Nigel also, Kennedy. Nigel Kennedy. He made the violin cool for kids to play because he was this kind of rock star violinist and he was a bit grungy in that. It's like Brian Cox. Brian Cox is kind of, he's, he's a bit hip and cool and nerdy, but, you know, he's making science a bit more accessible for kids. And I think that's great. Uh, and by the way, when we say Brian Cox, we don't mean Brian Cox, the award-winning actor, because if you're not careful, that's mm. where uh, INDB will take you to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the doctors comment on what they what he thinks they do. Yeah, is this a slight little thing coming up? Uh, oh yes, units arrived, and if you, if you listen closely, mm. you actually hear trap one. Ultimate force available. Not too sure on that line. Mm. Wants to make it sound awfully ominous and like they're coming to take the doctor away. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I'll talk about those newsreaders later. Yeah. The plot's moving on. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like we had been saying about um, about Amy looking different and we're like, oh, what is it? It's the hair. I think it's actually a combination of the makeup and the hair and everything to make her appear that 10 years have gone by. Um, so I think that's why we noticed this. See, trap one, sorry. Trap three. <laughs> okay, interesting thing there. That Amy said, again, reiterating the whole thing where they've been traveling with the Doctor, Amy and Rory, the past 10 years of their lives have been involving the Doctor. Now, this episode takes us essentially through another year leading up to next week's episode, meaning that they will, that uh, the number 11 again comes into play. Right. Ooh, do- on doors, yeah. Stephen Moffat playing with numbers. Mm-hmm. 11. That's a little bit futuristic, isn't it? Are you sure well, we're in present yeah, it's day? The- it's the it's a similar style of the communicators that we've seen throughout 
the Moffat era. Uh, the, the Weeping Angel two-parter, River Song had one. Uh, later on, when it was at the end of that story, when the Doctor realized what the the, the date of Amy's wedding is, the the date of the universe or whatever. But we've seen that communicator re- reappear as a prop throughout the Moffat era. Right. Now, just for everybody's mm-hmm. uh, information, Trap One is the center of operations, whereas. Uh, Oh, did they say Trap 3? Yeah. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. That's Sergeant Benton's call sign. Ooh. I wonder if that was a tip of the hat using his... Because Trap 2 is uh, Soldiers in the Fields, which would have been, you know, Twitter. Apparently, may, uh, co- may, of course, just be in the audio channel he was on. Hmm. Well, I mean, things have gone by, time's gone by, they probably didn't even think to look, but, you know. Mm. But yes, uh, there's a Wikipedia page on, on uh, units, so uh, that's, according to that, that's what uh, the call signs are. They have everything from the Greyhounds to Windmill, uh, yeah. Team Cube. Mm. And of course, uh, Gemma Redgrave playing Kate Stewart, who we will talk about shortly. Because I want to wait till she's on the screen again. Endless cereal. I love that. This, I suppose, brings into that effect, that pond life little thing they did online as well, mm. and the fact that the Doctor's living with them. Right. Uh, I wasn't too terribly fond of this no. bit, um, especially where because you start thinking when when he comes back and out how long he says he's yeah. been out there about uh, about an hour. There's no yeah. way he did that many keep ups in that short space of time, and painted yeah. a fence. Maybe mowed the lawn, but Matt using oh. his uh, soccer skills again. <laughs> Can <laughs> mm. so you get what what's what's it called when you have that deficiency? What's it? <laughs> um, what, like what I have? Yeah. ADD. Uh, <laughs> like he's been sitting in the TARDIS. Yeah, oh, Brian. But he's sitting in it as though he's entirely used to it. Well, he was in the TARDIS for um, the um, dinosaurs on the spaceship. Yeah, where the TARDIS materialized around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, it's a sharp on that. Rory. And I have to make a totally uh, tasteless comment, but I've just noticed, especially with that, the cut of that shirt, that girl's flatter than a pancake. <laughs> You're joking. That's Sophie Rayworth. You, you, UK Real News Reader. That's the fantastic thing. It's like I don't think you get away with. I don't think you get that in a lot of American shows. They wouldn't want the credibility uh, compromised. <laughs> Which is a funny thing for America. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it? It's, um, it's that you made an honest woman out of her. Is that? Oh, I don't even know who that was. Oh, I missed what her name was. 
but uh, you know, just on the screen there, uh, playing his boss uh, is um, Selva. Oh God, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Russell Lingham. That's the best I can do. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm just not very good with names, but I try my hardest. But uh, yeah, he's been in uh, Prince of Persia, uh, Sands of Time, uh, The Devil's Double, The Veteran. Uh, now explain Brian's log as best you can. Yeah, you? It's a joke that went completely over beyond our heads. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's uh, got a double entendre neat meaning. I think I sidestepped that one. Yeah. Which is a pity, really, because uh, this poor guy had uh, trouble with the dinosaurs smelling around last week. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, and uh, and uh, Silver's actually been in an episode of Torchwood. So there you go. It's funny, during that bit right there, when uh, Brian was talking about recording and rewatching his entries and such, I personally was reminded of the Marble Hornet series on YouTube where the main character, Jay, constantly goes through the tapes that he uh, films of himself in case anything happens, anything supernatural. I just thought, uh, you know, he's going to upload these to YouTube, to his own YouTube channel. If anything <laughs> strange happens, you will know about it. I've got Christmas theme again, but the thing I was uh, thinking about Christmas. is the uh, last thing we saw him in, I saw him in, was... Um, um, the werewolf one, the, um, uh, uh, oh, hang on. Tooth and Claw? To- no, 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 no. Human, uh, human, um, being human. Being human, okay. Yeah. Oh, so we got the Christmas reference there. Early in the episode, of course, when Brian was listing off all the possibilities for what the cubes could be, he mentioned that they could be an egg. Yep. So we've I was got taking eggs, things off. We've got <laughs> Christmas... Making a checklist here. Yep. Um, interesting. We had that. No uh, one cleans up that bin. It, there's <laughs> the nice little June there on the on the grill. Yeah. Now we get some really quick. Unfortunately, she says some way too quick. Banksy and Damien Hurst. Yeah. Says that the cubes have nothing to do with them. <laughs> it only it only it's only basically because I've got um. Uh, um, close captioning on this that uh, that I actually saw it. Yeah, yeah, Banksy and her. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Laura was uh, placed by Alice O'Connell. Uh, that was the girl she was talking to in the bar. Uh, she's been in City of Vice, The Verdict, uh, Rosa Maloney, The Bill, and an episode of Casualty. Casualty makes a return <laughs> this week. She looks like a right doxy there. <laughs> Flash <laughs> pancake. Oh, what? The... Kissing the doctor again. He's like, yep, there week. he is. <laughs> oh, if only we could have gotten this as an episode with the Zygons. Yes. Now, now we did find, I did manage to find a, uh, a Savoy that was, uh, that opened in that year in uh, Estonia. Yeah, Estonia. But I couldn't find any more information, like if it had a fire or something. Okay, quickly look yes. at, at Rory here in this shot after when we see the three of them together. Uh, right there, in yeah, front of Rory's right hand is his yeah. uh, cell phone charger. 
Yes. Which go back to last week's episode, the beginning of A Town Called Mercy, when Rory notices the lamps, the electric lamps, and comments on those. The doctor comments on just that, how Rory left his cell phone charger in Henry VIII's bedroom. Which means that last week's episode goes right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or right before this. Yep. In the seven weeks that they were gone. Which is why the beginning of A Town Called Mercy, we didn't see them arrive. No. Or the doctor picked them up or anything. Ah, uh, Moffat. <laughs> and and it calls into question the, the Dalek episode when, I mean, they said something about 10 months, but. Um... Right, but uh, they're back together now. So I'm assuming that the Dalek episode actually falls at the beginning. But it's all a matter of where the doctor falls. Right. And well, he also, did come back with a different age, didn't he? Where, that's when true. was it where he said. 1200 years a year. And I haven't picked out a continuity error in terms of costume or props or anything, but Brian just picked one out for me. They're wearing different clothes. (laughs) Well done, Brian. (laughs) This, uh, I mean, there's been comments about how old uh, Matt sometimes looks. I've never seen him look older in certain sections of this, and and Darth had also pointed it out on our show today. Um, if you haven't if you haven't uh, listened to it, it's uh, it's up on the feeds. So go back and listen to uh, the rest of the collective's opinions about this episode. Yeah, and nearly as many people who listen to our episode watch the program. Yeah, five point four nine million are the overnight viewing figures. Uh, uh, 25.6% but no doubt those should go up well over the 8 million and we don't yet have an appreciation index but they've been doing quite well recently they've been well into the 80s oh and of course uh, Alan Sugar is Apprentice Uh, think of um, now what's it called is it called The Apprentice Apprentice yeah Yeah, right right with the Ted, uh, that guy, yeah, the guy with the hair, Ted Turner, yeah, Donald, the Trump. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and also we saw uh, Nick Hewer there, and uh, uh, what was it? Uh, so, uh, was it Sophie? Who was the other? The newsreader was Sophie, right? Oh, Sophie, yeah. Uh, so that was uh, Karen Brady, who was on the other ah. side of Nick, uh, well, on the other side of Alan Sugar there. Um, and just for those, um, uh, Americans who aren't up to uh, to their uh, Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, earlier, just before Brian dropped off, he said he was cream crackered, which yeah. uh, means he's knackered, tired. <laughs> so well picked up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had to, uh, the only reason why I remember to tell people this is because I had to, I passed it on to my wife. She's getting the hang of it now, but you know. <laughs> which, uh, speaking of The Apprentice, there it was mentioned in the text chat during Colton today that BBC America only aired. The UK Apprentice for its first season. It, they cancelled it after, so <laughs> having that reference on this episode. Right. Yeah. It's done eight years. The the other reference that we missed at the very, very beginning that was quite saucy. Oh, oh, look at the oh, wall. Look yep. at the wall behind yep. the doctor. That's the Stetson or that from oh. Town Called Mercy. You can tell by the bullet hole. Yep. Yeah, wrong, 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 wrong. Fred Perry wore long trousers. He was a tennis player in the 1930s. Um, and some people have been drawing um, people's attention to the fob watch that's sitting right there. Right there. 
Yeah. Ooh. Saying that that that, that uh, uh, Rory's actually a, a time lord. <laughs> it looks a little. It looks a little bit gold rather than silver, but yeah. it's a nice thought. Right. The, the 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 saucy reference we missed earlier was um, when Rory asked where his scrubs were, and she says they're in the living room. And the doctor gives him a glance, like, "What are they doing in the living room?" <laughs> oh, and right here, the doctor is playing playing the Wii. Yes. And the doctor's not wearing. Whenever you play a, a Wii game, most of them give you the, the the warning screen saying, "Be sure to wear the wrist strap." Yeah. The doctor <laughs> isn't wearing the wrist strap. I thought it would have been funnier if he was playing the Wii with his sonic screwdriver. Because there is a sonic, a sonic sc- screwdriver <laughs> Wii mote. I know. It's oh. like uh, not a metal dog that could do that. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love, there's something very Pertwee-ish about. The doctor of this episode. I don't know. Maybe just me imagining things, but oh, what's that? That's clever. <laughs> I was watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The doctor's the only one excited about uh. it. Something's yeah, finally right. happening. <laughs> that poor girl's waiting there a lot. Hey, and it's hard. And uh, I don't have a name for her. Because she doesn't have a name in here, and she's not listed um, anywhere that I can see. Mm. Uh, which is, you know, quite odd, because she actually plays quite a pivotal part in this, and there's no listing, which is a little off, if you ask me. Now, is this the place where the Almost People was done? You know, the... Um... Very similar architecture. Yeah. The arches. Yeah. And okay, later on, quick, we'll actually see the... A very, the, very quick reference before we get to the next bit about, about mm-hmm. Katie. But we have a new name behind the scenes. Gavin Struthers is the uh, cinematographer for this episode. His first episode of Doctor Who. Downton Abbey, Garrow's Law, Holby City, Se- Secret Diary of a Call Girl with Billy P- Piper. Uh, Shameless. And there, <laughs> those, are, those are different shows that he's, he's worked on. Birdie on song. a loop! <laughs> on a loop. It took me a couple of listens to get that one, but... <laughs> And now, got that out of the way before we get to the mention here with Kate Stewart. It could have been worse, you know. It could have been Crazy Frog. <laughs> it could have been a certain <laughs> song by... <laughs> or the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> or what's that latest one? Um, could have been Never Gonna Give You Up. Uh, could have been... Um, um, oh, it could have Rickrolled him, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Doctor Who did that before. Uh, and then... here we are. Yes. Uh. Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, which to, this was another thing for me because I had no idea um, about her as a character existing before this. Um, but uh, yeah, this is not her first um, Doctor Who existence. Um, she was in Downtime uh, is where, where their first introduction was. Um, 
And I'm trying to bring up that information, so I'm grasping at straws when I do. Played so. by a different oh, actress. So, 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 the, look at the windows. Simple. Look at the windows. Look at oh, the windows. Oh, the doctor excellent. mentioned it being an underground base, oh, yeah. so I guess that's a continuity error. <laughs> there you no, go. No, 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 no. I thought you were going to say they had that same yellow as in the opening theme. The, the like the oh the windows in the TARDIS. The TARDIS windows are that yellow. <laughs> and look at this. Twenty, nearly twenty-two minutes in there. Mentioned me wide. And yeah. by the way, it's very special. It's called Wise Men. How about that? There you go. Cabernet from Australia, and it's got picture of three wise men on the front. There you go. See, I think it's I'm one of them. I don't know about you two. Well, mine, mine's <laughs> called mine's called Domino. Uh, it's a Domino Merlot. Which actually, the funny thing is about the Domino is it has uh, above the uh, O, it has a dot, and below it has a dot. Which means there's three dots in a row. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. On my it's the domino dot agenda. It's the, it's three. The uh, three agenda. See, this is proof that Half Life Three is in production. There you go. <laughs> um, again, he's so very old, and this was a fantastic thing. And, it, and I guess it's at this point we realize uh, Moffat knew what he was doing when he cast him because it's the, the ability to go from the, 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 the one that was rampaging around the house doing all these chores because he couldn't stand to sit still and then the look on his face here that when he's explaining this to, to, to Amy, he just looks ancient. But really quick, ducking back to uh, 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 Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. Uh, the character was uh, created by Mark Platt for the direct-to-video uh, story Downtime, released in 1995. I think it was part of BBB, uh, BBV videos. Uh, and uh, her early life uh, was chronicled uh, the next year by Gary Russell in the novel uh, The Scales of Injustice. Uh, Chris Chibnall depicted her uh, middle-aged life in The Power of Three. Uh, almost 20 years after the character was created, Kate's appearance in The Power of Three marks the first time the character created for an independent spin-off production has been used in the main series. Now, the interesting thing about this is Andy Pryor's choice of Gemma Redgrave, because if you go look at the TARDIS wikia, uh, you will see a picture of, uh, of uh, Beverly Cressman, who originally played... Uh, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, and and it's just so uh, plausible that this is just her, you know, twenty years later. It's just yeah. fantastic. It's it's like wow, well done, you know. And yeah, and and I'm sorry, she's fantastic. Gemma Redgrave is fantastic in this. Uh, I can't say enough about her. Um, but I'll quickly knock off a few credits she's got. Um, only a few, because she's got a few. <laughs> uh, most recently, she'll have been seen, aside from this, in uh, Law and Order UK, uh, in the episode Shaken. Uh, but she's been in Unforgiven, uh, Cold Blood, uh, Waking the Dead, The Grid, Inspector Lindley Mysteries, Fish, uh, Bramwell, of course, is uh, uh, Dr. Eleanor Bramwell. Uh, yeah, there's just more. Yeah, so... I just want to see her in Doctor Who again. If anyone's listening, make sure that happens. Yes, I think she's too good a character to, to just have this. Uh, yeah, the spin-off unit videos, Downtime and De- Demons Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was from his marriage to his first wife, Fiona. Right. Uh, that was first named in The Missing Adventures, The Scales of Injustice by Gary Russell. 
and she spent a lot of her early years being uh, estranged from her her dad, basically because he was always working for UNIT, top secret, and so um, it wasn't until you know later that they came together again, and of course then he he told her you know all about the doctor. Okay, a bit a while ago there, uh, the lights went out, and it's not. It's implied, but not directly stated in dialogue that the cubes caused that. Right. So that this could be in this episode's instance of the light agenda, flickering lights that we've had throughout the series so far. It's sort of implied that the cubes shut down power to gather electricity, mm-hmm. but it's never stated in dialogue. So it could be another instance of the light agenda. Who knows? Right. Yeah, and I think that newsreader we just saw was the other one, Matthew Aranda. And uh, one of the orderlies here is, is, is David Beck, and I, all I have for him is this, unfortunately. Well, actually, I do have Evenings with Ray, which he was a production assistant on. But I don't know about the other orderly. Um, there's a lot of information missing, unfortunately. Um, and I forgot to mention Peter Cartwright, who was uh, in earlier as the uh, gentleman that the orderlies came and got. Um uh, You'll have most recently seen him in uh, Emmerdale. He's uh, Bishop George Postlethwaite. Uh, Worst in- kidnap ever. ever. <laughs> now, interesting thing is, I do believe that this is the same building used in the Sontaran two-parter. Mm. Which, uh, interesting connection there. You, you mentioned the Sontaran two-parter. Mm-hmm. The film editor for this episode, Mike Hopkins, it's his first episode of doing Doctor Who since series four. I'm looking at his list of episodes that he's been film editor for, Last of the Time Lords, Fires of Pompeii, and the last story that he did, that he did before this, The Santaran Stratagem and The Poison Sky. Interesting. Now, that was the scene. When I saw that spaceship, I thought, finally, oh, the story's going to take up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you, not only do you see the spaceship, you see all that fluctuation going on around Earth. Something's going on in orbit. See you, Arthur. I don't understand this, but really, kind of the the, the doctor. I mean, uh, why does he need to be in there to observe it? You know. Well, I think he's supposed to see if they can cut it off from any external uh, power or radiation that might be affecting it. All right. And also, I'm a little bothered by uh, the placement of some of the cubes that we see. Like uh, there was earlier, you saw them on a trash can. Every time you see them, they they showed a shot of the trash can, and it's like, what? So nobody's taken these cubes off this trash can in the last what year? Nobody's it's, cleaned it. <laughs> yeah, nobody's cleaned that trash can. It's like, what on earth? Uh, these these cubes are fantastic. <laughs> I, I I hope they're able to replicate some of the things that they do because it's going to be a marvelous toy really a completely useless toy but fabulous now, I, I know mike's more japan than chinese but it's a little bit like a chinese puzzle box <laughs> i expected something to jump out there at that point yeah <laughs> and we had a bit of a discussion eyeball about, or something about what's going to happen <laughs> as far as uh, um you know people having heart heart attacks Glasses. Uh, I'll talk about glasses in a second. It's David Hartley. Uh, There's no electrical charge that came out of the box. So I do believe in in a way Darth was kind of right. We don't really know how their hearts are being affected. 
Well, I think it's a dampening field. In other words, that hearts right. work with electrical stimulus. Right. And it's like a dampening field that right. fail make the heart fail. Right. So well, the thing is, is 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 it, you know, his heart's not working properly. Maybe. No. So the one heart stopped. Yeah. 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 It's not working. It's so it's actually like, stopped. Yeah. Right. So I mean, a lot of people are, are bugged by the the, the time. From here now, of, yeah, uh, the amount of time that passes and how quickly effects right. take place. Yeah, I, I think up to eight minutes they'll allow. After eight minutes, the brain damage is irreversible. Right. Uh, I mean, th- there's um, changes that. I mean, there's one one of these um, deep, you know, these divers, these extreme divers that go down. Except they they they've passed out and yet been brought round because they've been f- virtually frozen. Their body temperature's gone right down. Right. Oh. And uh, before we lose him, uh, of course, uh, David Hartley there playing glasses, uh, the unit researcher, uh, has also been in uh, Doctors, The Bill, Talk to Me, and the amazing Mrs. Pritchard. So yeah, there you go. Glasses. He does have a name. He does have a name. Unit researcher. <laughs> Poor fella. Well, what are you playing? Unit researcher. But the doctor will call you glasses. Brady <laughs> uh, <Tiny> smacks. <laughs> yes. Oh, and the film editor for this episode, another series that he's worked on, Casualty. Ah, there you go. Ah. Casualty. This to make it for last week. Now, this is another thing we've had every week. We've had a spaceship every week. Uh, I can't remember if we've had hospitals every week, but... Oh. The other thing is, if this has been going on for a year, have those guys had those cubes in their mouth for a whole year? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm assuming that that's. I don't know whether they took them over, took over regular people or or what. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah. I suppose it's a bit like the idea that we had with the Dalek one, where they're being robotized. You know. Right. Which a lot of people still refer to that episode with the Doctor, how he's to explain why the Doctor's acting so odd in several episodes. Oh. The Doctor and the, the Dalek nano machines are still transforming him. Well, we've seen that, that blouse on She's Raimi. not human, is she? Look. No, it's fantastic effect on their face. Yeah, though. it is. It is. Yeah. Especially considering he's showing a green light on her face and they do that effect. I love it. Now, I'm trying to figure out where she's worn that blouse before. Because she has worn that blouse in, in an episode before. Can't trust me to to, to know the clothes. <laughs> I I just I guess I mean I realise that there's other things going on in this hospital, but nobody's noticed that they're just she's shocking them in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> Everybody's just going about their business. She sure didn't rub the pads together. Oh, you've always got to rub the pads together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, John Travolta pose. There's a lot of kissing going on. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. That corridor goes on for miles. Uh. I bet that's a real corridor as well. Oh. I wonder if it's the same uh, hospital that they used for uh, being human. Oh, no, it is- looks like the one they used in um, uh, the first episode of Torchwood as well. When we see that weasel going down one of the corridors. Weevil, but yeah. Weevil. Weasel. Weasel. <laughs> Weevil. 
Uh, you know the difference between a weasel and a stoat, right? <laughs> uh, a weasel is weaselly recognized, and a stoat is totally different. <laughs> but um bum bum bum. That's another point, though. We had an awful lot of comedy in these last uh, mm. two or three episodes. I mean, I expected it with the uh, you know dinosaurs on a spaceship, but um, oh. And now, here's Stephen Burkoff. Now that is definitely the robot out of Logan's Run. That voice. <laughs> What, Rem? Yeah, the, the one in the ice caves. Oh. Yeah, where Jenny Agatha has to uh, get warm. But, uh, yeah, he's been in uh, basically a ton of stuff. Uh, the girl with uh, the dragon tattoo. Uh, Clockwork Orange. Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Uh, most recently. Well, actually, he's pre-production of... Uh, uh, Gene's Generation. Uh, also, it's a London thing. Is Ray Dixon. Uh, Catherine of Alexandria is uh, Liberius. Uh, GBH. You just can, uh, completed work on as Chief Constable, and of course this is uh, Chakri. But uh, been in the Borges. Uh, oh, the Road to Coronation Street. He was in that. That's right. That's a. If you like Coronation Street, um, it's it's fantastic. Um, it's an awesome little movie about how Coronation Street came to be. But yes, um, extremely Children of June, the TV miniseries. Um, oh, I love that. Yep, he was uh, uh, Stilgar. Uh, he's been in Jonathan, Jonathan Creek too. I love that show. Uh, he's also in uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, in the episode uh, Business as Usual as Hagarth. He's been everywhere. Space Precinct. Uh, he's probably got the longest credits in this. <laughs> well, he's 75. He was in UFO as uh, Captain, uh, Captain Steve Minto. So he's gotten around a bit. <laughs> he's got his own website as well, um, stephenbergoff.com. Oh, I've just re- recognised him. He's, um, he's one of these actors that's got a third eye. Um, he's got like this um, bulge slightly above his nose. And it, it's one of these things that looks like a third eye. Ah. Uh, the doctor's uh, going off. <laughs> Fantastic makeup on the. Mm. On, the, on the chakra there, it's like no chakri, chakri, yeah. Mm. I mean, on his site, television work, it, it's got a great strap line Avengers to Star Trek. I mean, <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah. Excuse the pouring of wine. Oh, yeah, drink. Yes, drink. Yes. Mm. <laughs> now, within three or four minutes of the ending. <laughs> I think we need a quick resolve, guys. Uh. 
Yeah. Um, it's one of the, the that's one of the things that uh, garnered the most, uh, uh, you know, bad comments basically about it. Kind of lack of a better word. Um, uh, reading from the Wikipedia here, critical reception to the episode was generally positive, uh, highlighting the emotion and humor. Although many critics derided the solution to the plot, which, as Darth so rightly said earlier, I don't think the plot is plot is really that important. I think the plot is a secondary. This what people think of the plot is a secondary story. Really, this is more about the pawns and you know their life on Earth and the the Doctor's relationship to them. And of course, we talked all over the wonderful reason. Basically, we we were like, why is the Doctor so enamored with Amy and the Pons? It's like he says, you know, this you you were the first, you were the first person this face saw. He's he's latched onto her. And one of the questions from that scene there before the ship exploded: How many of those people did they actually save, or did they just leave them? Yeah, well, that's a right? Yeah. Well, and like of course, Blew up with noise in space. Duh. Now, now I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm in agreement with this, but at least it was Deus a little peck on the cheek. Machina. Another kiss. Blimey. At least it was a kiss on the che- cheek. Yeah. And, and, oh, now, there's a look that she gives here, and I don't mean to sound bad about her, but it's so Lethbridge-Stewart. <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, start seeing things. Like that. Yeah, the just, just, just the... She, tightens her lips up and she gives that wave actually in the very very beginning of the episode when she lists all the things that they did to the cubes I swear there's an episode out there with the, oh the, quick easter egg notice notice the cup there with the stripes on it that's the exact same same glass that back in the 11th hour when the doctor went into to Amelia's room and noticed the crack on the wall and the doctor pick up, pick, picked up a glass from the nightstand and you know threw the water out and used that to listen to the wall that's yep. that exact same glass that's right. And here's here's where Brian steals the show again. It's a wolf moment. Oh, God, he's too late though. Too late. Why couldn't we have had him last I know. season? We had the opportunity there with the wedding at the end of series five. Yeah, we could have brought him in, and it's just such well, a it, shame. He had a little job in Harry Potter, I think, kept him a bit busy. Yeah, more Christmas lights. <laughs> and I hated the the whole. Oh, Power three, Ian, yeah. Mike, and Dave. Hey. <laughs> I'm the Doctor. Dave's Amy. This scene right here, when they walked into the, walked into the TARDIS, <laughs> that was the last scene that Arthur Darvill and Karen Gillan played yep. as their characters. Now, the last scene. Anything about this? Film. We're talking over the trailer for next week. Oh yes. <laughs> Which no. the Space Channel had their own trailer, which had a big spoiler. Oh, yeah, I don't the think Statue of Liberty have no head then. Holy Hannah, sorry, I just caught a glimpse of cleavage. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh dear. I'm sure the Statue of Liberty had no head then for a minute. And there we go. Yes. Well under well under forty minutes. Uh, sorry, well under 42 minutes, 41 and change. Yeah. Uh, 41.14 uh, was the running time from beginning, very beginning to very end. Um, interesting um, 
I don't know if it's important at all. Uh, the continuity announcer mentioned at 7.20 being uh, when Doctor Who is on next week. Uh, what time is it normally on, Dave? Uh, well, it was, it's was. it been as late as 7.35, but I think I thought it was 7.25. But yes, it, it, it has. Uh, we Not this week, but the week prior, we had the, um, the opening of uh, Dancing with the Stars. Well, Strictly Come Dancing, as we call it. And so it had a late start. So the time has altered quite a bit. Uh, so sometimes it's as finished as late as 10 past, quarter past eight. Right. So, I mean... One thing about the BBC, it's not like sacrosanct. You know, every episode of Star Trek ran 42 minutes right. and one second or something like that. It's, uh, But I do feel as though they slightly changed this. I, I've got a feeling that there must have been a scene they had to cut out that, you know, to, to get the minutes in, they would have had to redo about 10 scenes. So. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the interesting thing is next week, it's, it's only a 45-minute episode, which you'd think for a mid-season finale that we'd have... Maybe a little more, but uh, I guess not. Yeah, one hour or something. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's for next week. Yeah, that was about. sort of the same thing with you know last series, the wedding of River Song. The last episode of the series, we would we were expecting a two-parter. You know, series five ended with a two-parter. Pandora opens and the Big Bang, and all of the Russell T Davies era ended with a two-parter, basically. Right. So you know, mid-series finale. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, still, for what it is, you know, the for what next episode is, a two-parter. But then, uh, go ahead. No, 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 no. This, this, you know, this, this episode, a lot of people have commented, this episode kind of felt like what Doom, what uh, Army of Ghosts was to Doomsday, especially with the narration from from Amy. Mirrors back to an Army of Ghosts, the, the narration that we had at the start, and, and mainly the start from uh, Rose Tyler. Right. This is the day I died. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that to me was a little more effective though. But hey, what do you do? Um, so yes, um, let's do our wrap up, I guess. Um, unless you guys just want to chat well, about this, I, I than... certainly, I certainly don't want to go last because I've probably got the least positive thing to say than you two guys. Right. Well, because we're b- basically before this, uh, we started recording this, we're having a good chat about this episode. Um, so I'm I, I I'm going to spring it on these guys that we do something a little different and let's just have a chat about it. Um, starting off with things that we liked, um, I really liked I, I liked the cameos. I, I, I guess I liked the fact that this was actually very much an RTD episode. And that's really sort of the make or break thing with this episode is if you're a, if you were a fan of the Russell T Davies era, then chances are you liked this episode. You you were more likely to like this episode because it, of all those references back, visual and storytelling styles. On the other hand, there, there's a friend of mine on Twitter who's a huge if, he's a huge fan of Moffat's era so far. He's not so much a fan of Russell T. Davies. So while he's more or less liked this series so far, he saw this episode and uh, didn't like it at all because of the Russell T. Davies' similarity in style. So well, it could, it, what it comes down to that, if you're a fan of Russell T. Davies or not, the, this episode. It could be. Uh, I mean, with me, um, I think... Um, I was watching it and uh, I thought they've got a lot of filler in this to say it's a short episode. You know, let's get on with the story. Before it was like two thirds of the way through, and I, I realised the story I was watching 
was a throwaway story. And really, I should have been paying more attention to the bits in between that I thought filler of him going painting a fence and, you know, uh, doing keepy-uppy and things like that, which I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, I mean, certainly in my family, in brother-in-law and son, none of us rated this episode... Uh, well, actually, no, I tell a lie. Uh, son hadn't seen all the way through. We didn't talk to him, son. Um, uh, but my brother-in-law, we... I mean, I was not enjoying it. Having said that, I said exactly the same with the uh, the cowboy one last week, and and grew to appreciate more and more from it. But I have got a feeling that there are a, a, a vast number of people, maybe three quarters of the people who watch Doctor Who, who oh Doctor Who's on, and they watch it, and they will probably never go back to the episode again. Maybe they might watch it on BBC Three a few months later or whatever. But basically. They will view it, uh, enjoy or not enjoy it, judge it or not on that one viewing. And on that basis, I thought this failed to deliver. I didn't think there was, uh, you know, it was hanging around for the payoff. And the payoff was, uh, you know, a quick go with the sonic screwdriver sorted. Having said that, I did like uh, the... uh, Brian Cox coming in that that was a real fillip to me of course he went to Manchester University so uh, <laughs> sorry he works at Manchester University it was Sophie Rayworth one of the newsreaders that uh, did uh, studied French and German at the same university my daughter has uh, graduated from <laughs> and go. where I have a I have a diploma from of course as well but there you go <laughs> um, uh, just but, one thing Dave um I, I ask you to do basically what I ended up doing with dinosaurs on a spaceship. Now with the, I, I guess with the insight, and now that we're not doing commentary, if you were to go back and watch it, strictly from the standpoint of it being actually about the ponds and the relationship between the Doctor and the ponds, rather than about the cubes, um, that the cubes are the side story more than anything else. Um, I'd be curious to know what you thought after that because I thought Dinosaurs on the Spaceship was really, really bad. Uh, pants is what I called it. My wife called it Big Pants. Um, but that's another story. Uh, but I found when I watched it again after reading people's comments of, it's Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. You know, What were you expecting? And it's like, well, hang on. And I don't want to cheapen it by saying I lowered my expectations or I kind of lowered my intelligence level. I just... I, I kind of just accepted that for what it was and watched it again, and I actually got a lot more out of it, knowing that. Just kind of, so it'd be interesting to to hear well, what you think after if you got a if you get a chance to watch it again. Well, well, in, in, in many ways, I have in terms of the dialogue. I've caught an awful lot more of the dialogue uh, getting ready for our earlier show and, and watching it now. Um, the thing with the the dinosaurs and space, I didn't particularly like it. But I thought that was the light-hearted episode, um, the same as the Pirates one in, in previous series. But the thing is, I was then expecting the intensity levels of these episodes to get more and more, which instead, um, and I think some people did agree with me that um, some of this stuff has come a little bit late in the uh, the Pond uh, saga. Um I understand about Rory's dad not coming on uh, before this, although it would have been nice. I assume he's actually quite an expensive star to have in right. in the show. Uh, but um, 
No, I, I think it was all the maniac stuff. And I think there was an awful lot. I mean, literally, uh, this episode, as you say, it lasted 41 minutes, 14 seconds. You could almost basically run it at, at nine ten speed, get your 45 minutes out of it. You might actually be able to follow it a bit better. <laughs> because as you said, uh, this there was some... I mean, I didn't particularly like... I mean, they went back in history and the Doctor was treating them. And then they had this what seemed to be a silly scene to me. And I, I almost... I'll tell you what I re-equated it uh, to. Uh, the very early scene where we had the... the uh, the doctor, the eleventh doctor, hiding under the skirts of a, you know, a, right. a Vict- not a Victorian, where Elizabethan dress or whatever it was, way way back. Shenanigans yeah. in history, I think, is what you're getting at. And that was yeah. at the beginning of the Impossible Astronaut, there, series six. See, right. This should be our new thing, Mike. Is we have to get the word shenanigans into each commentary. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that'll that'll be that'll be our agenda. <laughs> The shenanigans agenda. <laughs> it's a good agenda. It's a good word. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just like what you were—you were going back to with you know this is a little too late in the pawns in the pawns time. This is their next last episode, their penultimate episode. We're saying goodbye to them next week. Um, character development is what this episode was for the for the, Amy and Rory. Of course, we had all the things about the, the cube, and we had that that plot, and you know whether you see that as the main plot or this or the subplot for the, of this episode. What it really comes down to, you know, this episode was character development for Amy and Rory. We saw them, you know, we saw how they were dealing with their their two lives, as they, as Amy referred to it at the start of the episode, their life with the Doctor and their life there at home, which is what we've had going on since the God Complex, since the end of series six. Uh, character development for the pawns and it's so late in their time next week we're saying goodbye to them and we've only just now had all of that great character development it's a shame yeah it's it's been i mean so many things in this episode have come to a head you know the introduction of of of, of brian um the the introduction of of basically their lives you know it, I guess one of the big complaints about the, the, the Russell D. Davis era was there was, oh, there's too much family, there's too much family. And you know what? I think what was missing from this was a, I don't mean going back to the way things were, but you could do with a touch of it, you know. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's where we were missing was a bit of family. Just a little bit. I mean, we, we'd yeah. go back to Ledworth every now and then, but it just seemed kind of a little... Yeah, yeah. I remember back in the Davies era, so with all the different companions and seeing all of, all of their different families. One of the biggest things that people were saying were was, uh, hopefully someday we'll have an orphan as a companion, so yeah. we don't have to worry about families. And now here we are. It's, that's sort of what we have here in the Moffat era. We don't really pay attention to Amy and Rory's parents until now with Brian. We had a brief bit with Amy's parents in the uh, pen in. The, the Big Bang, they're at the end of that episode, but that's it. Yeah. I suppose we've had a little bit of a parallel as well. To, you know, we're, we're talking about, in many ways, uh, in, in theatre and film going, you know, the Harry Potter generation of kids, you know, that grew up with a, you know, 10-year-old Hermione and, uh, and uh, you know, the Harry Potter group. And as each of the, the seven years of the, the Harry Potter films, they've each grown up and the viewership has grown up with them and the books got thicker and so on and so on. 
I mean, I'm not sure whether it's conscious or unconscious, but you have that feeling that, you know, um, a whole new generation of Doctor Who fans came on board in 2005, maybe in their mid-teens. And now they're seven years older, you know, they're getting as old as Mike, you know, they're 22 or three, you know, and um, they're, they're beginning to think, you know, time to away such childish things and actually, uh, you know, get their career. You know, they've actually got a job now and... Uh, they're thinking about saving up money to get their own place and uh, maybe they're in a, a regular partnership. Maybe it's sort of trying to, I mean, we always say, don't we, you know, that um, television and so on is, is, is a mirror of society. Uh, it, sometimes it's ahead of it, sometimes it's not. But whether that has any credence, uh, whether you feel there's any merit in that thought, that, you know, the viewership, I mean, obviously, people join Doctor Who uh, at every stage. There'll be some people that only join Doctor Who when uh, David Tennant came on board and we had the 10th Doctor uh, right. because the, the, they came from Casanova or whatever. And you know, maybe we had some Matt Smith who saw him in Ruby in the Smoke and thought he's actually great or saw him in something else. Um, and, and they came on board then. But I've got a feeling that a, a rather large proportion of today's followers of Doctor Who have been on board for seven years now and perhaps are in, you know, entering the mid twenties from being a teenager. And perhaps they're also thinking, you know, it's time, you know, you can't be a child forever and so on. Right. But, uh, oh, I can be, I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's true what you well, say. There's there. that I mean, quote from that quote from the, the Tom Baker. What's yes. the point of being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes? Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, the wonderful thing I see about the show nowadays is the fact that I mean, you look at convention pictures, and there's there's um, parents at, at Doctor Who conventions with their kids dressed up as the Doctor or whatever, and they're they're, they're doing the whole bit with the sonic screwdriver, and that's great because yeah, you know, we sit here and and you know, postulate about the show and, and 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 think, oh, what's coming next, and look at all these things in the background and figure it all out but the wonderful thing is these kids that are going to these conventions they're us in you know 20 years when they they figure out that their show is still going and it's still you know viable and and there's life in it and you know they look back on they're basically us in you know in, 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 you know 20 years from now um which is fantastic because it means the show will keep going. But anyway, back to this episode. I wanted to read out a few things really quick that we kind of missed. Uh, Mike had actually mentioned that uh, the, the scene where uh, they all go into the TARDIS at the very end was the last scene that they all filmed together. Um, and basically, as soon as the doors closed, they all uh, started hugging and crying, um, which is quite sad. I mean... It's it's the end of a, a, an era coming up basically, and that's that was where you know there were some reshoots that they had to do a little later on. But um, and an interesting thing, um, I had mentioned earlier that uh, about the props department must have really loved the fact that they had to make all those cubes. Uh, Marcus Wilson stated that a uh, hundred individual cubes uh, cube props were made, with many more added with computer generated imagery. Um, and also to add that the Doctor and Amy's conversation outside the Tower of London could not be filmed at the genuine location due to the London Olympics. So it was shot on uh, 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 on studio in Cardiff, and the live action was combined with other footage to create the illusion, which is fantastic because uh, I did not notice. You know, uh, I, if they were in a studio. They said on studio in the, the Wikipedia, so I don't know whether it was like just outside the studio because isn't the new studio right on the river? 
or right on the, the water. Unless they're in the studio is, yeah. with a video backdrop or something. Right. It is on the river, yeah. Right, so I wonder if they just built a wall there and had them sit there, and then they put the uh, the other... Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, Brian Cox and Lord Sugar are both uh, long-time uh, fans of, of Doctor Who. And Lord Sugar's um, cameo was actually filmed on the set of The Apprentice uh, with the director, uh, Douglas... McKinnon uh, standing in for the man who was fired. So, yeah, he fired the director. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, I want to talk really a bit about um, the, the introduction now into into canon of, of uh, uh, Catherine Lethbridge-Stewart, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. Um, and what that really kind of means, it's interesting because we've, we've basically had something that was basically created by... Um, fans as it were to fill in the gap when we we didn't really have much going on doctor who wise it was you know as project run outside of doctor who uh, i'm assuming that they got permission to use uh some of the uh the companion characters i mean i think sarah jane has appeared in 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 one of the uh one of the videos and uh yeah she she did one of the one of the pictures that you linked to it during the show uh Liz Layden was there. Yeah, so she actually, you know, was with uh, Kate Lisbeth Stewart. So um, I, I just really hope this isn't a missed opportunity that that we actually get to see this character again because I actually think it was it was really well done, and really you have to have um, the same actress come back and, and 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 do the part because I think she did it fantastically. Whether it was uh, directed as such or, or whatever but I think there was just kind of a brigadier feel about her on my second watch I was kind of watching her and I was like yeah I, I get that she's the brigadier's daughter so I don't know what you thought Dave oh, oh absolutely uh, the casting was brilliant she 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 had this sort of um, uh, what's the word not yeah, gravitas well not quite gravitas but uh, that sort of uh, feel to her um, i think it worked well that they, they, they had her in trousers and sort of uh, uh and she came in apologetically but yet you feel as though she was wielding a lot of power you know those troops were at her command right um and you could also from the the, the point where her and the doctor are talking um you got the idea that she was meeting a childhood far, uh, hero, some somebody who her father maybe had not told her all the stories because of this official secrets act or something something along that nature. But she must have heard about um, the doctor at least, you know, over, maybe over, maybe listening, you know, at the top of the stairs when uh, when the brigadier's got some, uh, you know, important calls coming through. So no, I like I liked it very much indeed. Yeah. Um, just before I pass over to Mike, uh, I want to fill people in. Whether this becomes canon or not, I do not know. But um, just off the TARDIS wikia here, um, as a child, Kate was never told of her father's work unit uh, with aliens. She was only told that he was a military man. Uh, she would often pretend that he was off uh, to have amazing adventures. Um, when really, she, when really she knew he was <laughs> off doing boring military operations um and apparently according to this at the time of the the wenley moore Salurian incident 
Kate was five years old. Uh, and that does nobody any good because of um, the screwed up timeline of unit. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was during this mission that Alistair realized that he was an inadequate father for her. The secretive nature of his work with Unit prevented him from being uh, consistently present in her life. His long absences from home caused uh, his wife Fiona to leave him. Alistair guessed that she and Kate went off, at least initially, to live somewhere uh, close to Chichester, uh, the home of Kate's maternal grandparents. So yeah, there's a bit of uh, a bit of backstory there, and uh, more can be read at the uh, tardis.wikia.com, and just uh, look up Kate Lethbridge Stewart, um, and it's all up to date with the uh, this episode listed as well. Um, Mike, your thoughts on Kate? Yeah, it was interesting earlier today on Coldham Collective. Darth mentioned he referenced back to. Uh, the end of series six with the wedding of River Song, that bit in there, and then the TARDIS when the Doctor uh, calls up um, the Brigadier to go on an on an adventure with him. Yeah, it's that that whole bit there with uh, Dorium and, and the TARDIS. And Darth was mentioning how this was a more effective uh, way of remembering the Brigadier than that was in terms of the story and in terms of character. And I actually agree with that because here not only are we remembering the character Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart, we're carrying on the torch, so to speak. The torch is passed to to the Brigadier's daughter and we're, we're continuing the family line here, And which is why I think that, yes, eventually we're going to get another unit story and we're going to see Kate Stewart again, which is which would be fantastic. I, I, I would love that. We need introducing a character and introducing her, that character in that way. We could only be getting another story eventually, which hopefully is sooner rather than later. And next year being the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, I would assume so. Right. But yeah, this is it. I this I would agree that yes, this is a more fitting way of remembering the character than we got in River Song, which that that did fit the story that set the character that set the Doctor on his new path. But here we have remember, remembering the character. We're getting his daughter introduced, filling in the Brigadier's role. We're continuing on the story with that. It was just really well done, and the character. You mentioned the the similarities there, with um. The, the, in down downtime, uh, they are there, and the 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 physical appearance, her face, the the facial similarities, those are there. And considering Stephen Moffat being the life lo, lifelong fan of Doctor Who that he is, I'm sure that he has he is aware of this. And Stephen Moffat is aware of this. He's he did this for a reason. Right. So uh, the interesting thing I want to quickly bring up is that um, it was uh, Chris Chibnall's request um, that. Uh, that the unit would return in the power of three. Uh, he actually asked to bring unit in, which is fantastic. Um, it's neat when you you know that. I guess uh, the writer suggests something like that. It's like, oh, I'd really like to bring in unit. Um, so whether uh, the addition of Kate Stewart was was the idea of Chris Chibnall, or whether Steve, it was a collaboration, or or whether it was Stephen Moffat saying, hey, how about we do this? Um, the the only disagreement I have with Darth's point is that I think it is necessary to uh, mark the passing of of the actor, and by by saying that the 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 the, the character is passed on, um, 
but I thought if 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 it hadn't been done when it was done, and we brought uh, you know uh, Kate Stewart in now, then it would have been too heavy. It would have been um, too weighty a, a, a mention. This I think bringing it up in the wedding of River Song um, made it so much easier to bring her into this story. If you know what I mean, rather than like, oh, you know, yeah, they'd have to talk about her dad's death. Yeah, which It'll, is why mm-hmm. I would amend what Darth said: is right. the two work together, they yeah. complement each other. Yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 so gentle. There's it a was, long gap between the two, though. I mean, this right. could have come in earlier. Yeah, but uh, this, I mean, it it, it so serves the scene so well that they just kind of, it's kind of nice because it slid in there. Um, for fans, really, because nobody else, I mean, people who have just come into the show, uh, are aware of the Brigadier, um, he appeared in, in, uh, in Sarah Jane Adventures, he's had mentions, and so it kind of glides through, um, but for, for us fans, it's just this, it's kind of nice and subtle, I think. And I think it was really, really real, well played. And so, you know, by that, it's not bogged down by by the death of of um, the character. Yeah, right. So. Uh, and I'll just mention, I won't go into detail because we, we, we've gone on quite a bit, is that, um, you know, he did have another, left bridge Stewart had another offspring, and that's mentioned in the New Adventures novel. Right. Yeah. Um, while on duty in Sierra, uh, Sierra Leone as a young lieutenant. Now, whether that's quite as powerfully integrated into quote-unquote canon or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, there's lots of information if you go on the wiki and, and look up uh, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. Yes. Um, oh, and just as a, as, a, as a matter of fact, and I'm hoping it's something that's brought up, um, her nickname's Tiger. Kate Lethbridge Stewart uh, is nicknamed Tiger by her father. I think that's quite cute. <laughs> so I'm hoping at some point the doctor kind of slightly mentions there, hello, Tiger. Because <laughs> I do just think that would be funny. Um, so, yes, um, I hope you guys didn't mind me kind of hijacking the whole end of this and doing something a little bit different. Um, we were chatting before, as I said, we were chatting before the show. And I thought it would be just nice to kind of chat afterwards rather than being kind of formulaic see well, we changed up the format of our show just like they did this week ooh, yeah. <laughs> and the surprising thing is um, you know, we all know that there were only five episodes scheduled before the Christmas we've had four, yep. only one more to go and um, I mean ridiculously fast um, so I'm looking forward to that uh, I'm, I'm trying to avoid spoilers mm-hmm. but um, it, it, I think Although I'm beginning to appreciate this one more, I do feel as though it, it was a bit flat on a single viewing. I'm absolutely hoping that next week knocks it out to the park on first viewing. Right. You see, and for me, um, I guess I'm treating these as closing remarks. Uh, for me, it was it was uh, the complete opposite. I thought, and I don't know whether because of the previous episode, I was like, I'll just you know lower my expectations or just kind of go with the flow but this one just it ticked along for me um i found myself intrigued by the cubes uh, the, the, the resolution wasn't great but i liked the kind of 
they were kind of pushed to the background, which made them even more interesting. So it's like, when are we gonna, when are we gonna find these things out? What's what's going on with these? Um, and I just, I don't know, I was entertained by this one and, and, and really, really liked it. So, yeah. Mike? This was a fun episode. This was actually the one episode of this of this group, this five, these five episodes that I was looking forward to the most, simply because of the different episode synopsis and such. This was the one that was least talked about. We knew the least about this episode going in. We knew the title, but that's about it. We knew that the title was The Power of Three. And that it apparently concerned the doctor spending uh, a bit of his life with the pawns at home and in their life. But beyond that, what happens in this episode, we didn't know. We knew everything, a lot about the dinosaurs on a spaceship. We knew a lot about uh, a town called Mercy. We knew a lot about uh, Asylum of the Daleks. And we knew bits and pieces of what happens next week, mainly that it's the pawns last episode. Uh, but with this episode there was hardly that much said so i was looking forward to it and after watching it the cubes the cubes were a fun little uh a fun little plot invention it was neat to see when they became active every cube had its own special ability and it's the whole thing of, of okay what does this cube do what does that cube do they all do something different uh, there's this website that i that i found out about earlier this year it's the scp wiki the secure contain and protect wiki where and that whole wiki deals with the, uh, a whole bunch of these people come up with these stories of all these different artifacts that are held by this uh, organization known as the foundation and every one of these artifacts has some has its own special property that causes it to be uh, dangerous in some way and they're like three different levels of containment there there's safe there's euclid and keter where increasing levels of danger and deadly and this kind of reminded me of that where each individual cube has its own special property and unit has taken them a lot of them in and put them in special containment uh, cells. We saw we saw that, so that was fun there. And uh, Brian with his video entries reminding me of Marble Hornets, that was fun. But yeah, getting down to it, it was nice to see that the Bonds finally had character development that they desperately needed ever since the eleventh hour, and even carrying on bringing uh, Brian back into it so much. That was so greatly needed. This was a nice episode. It's just such a shame that next week we're saying goodbye to these characters. So, yeah, looking forward to next week to see how Moffat brings their story to a close. And if he does bring them to their story to a close enough that we don't get, you know, like Rose. Rose returns over and over again. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, two, well, two th- two quick things on that. One is that um, you know we get um, Rory's father saying, you know, take them on these adventures, take them, uh, but make them safe. So I feel as though that was put in to. So we've got a question mark. Is the exit of the ponds, you know, back to normal life, or is the exit of the ponds, you know, t- due to some disaster? And the other little bit where the doctor says, um, got to go, uh, worlds to see, uh, was it swings to swing on the something? And I, I saw that as a reference to the swing in Amelia Pond's garden. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Now, um, and I'm hoping not, I'm not spoiling it for anybody by, by, by mentioning this before we get out of here. Um, this is a bit, a bit of spoilers. Um, we've been kind of 
dancing around this whole, you know, what order are we seeing everything in? Uh, and it's interesting to note uh, the uh, foe that the Doctor and, and company are about to meet uh, next week and their ability to play with time. So I'm curious. I think we're probably going to have to do a separate wrap-up show, I think, maybe for uh, for this half of the season. Um but that, yeah, remains to be seen. Um, oh, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, so um, we may we may have uh, a regular Coltum show and then uh, and then our commentary and then maybe a, a separate wrap up to follow, uh, just to kind of contain everything, rather than making this an extra, especially long um, uh, a commentary. Yeah, that would be a very long episode right there because <laughs> we're wrapping up an era of the show. Yeah, yeah, two and yes. a half series. I, I can't say that I'm, I'm sad to see them go. Um, I'm sad to see Rory go, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. That's the thing there is that both the pawns are leaving. We're not getting what I wanted ever since Rory joined in, and that's the adventures of Rory and the Doctor. With yes. Amy nowhere in sight. The closest we got was the girl who waited, and that whole story was about, oh, Amy, let's rescue her. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Oh, well. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, be commenting on this next week, I'm very, very sure. So, until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. It's goodbye from Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Cube says seven. <laughs> Mine says wine. wine. I'm just going to go and write in my log. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.